When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Turn up your volume, because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast, with Tony Maradero. 55 seconds left in the penalty, a minute and 27 seconds left in regulation time. Boston 4, Montreal 3, Lafleur coming out rather gingerly on the right side. He gives it into Lemaire, back to Lafleur. Oh! The sickest Montreal Canadiens podcast. You're in the fall. Sports entertainment like no other. Rejoint, on lui fait perdre la rondelle une passe devant. Et c'est la bonne chose. You found the dogs, John. You found the dogs. He found the dogs. And all together, they worked a young team to the top. And now, a 24th Stanley Cup banner will hang from the rafters of the famous forum in Montreal. The Canadians win the Stanley Cup. Brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Driven to be different. La Vida TV. Embrace your true nature. And Playground, your premier gaming destination. It's going to be sick. Baron Arrow, the Sick Podcast, on this Friday, November 3rd. It is two minutes past 10 p.m. Eastern Time. I hope you're all doing well, and I thank you all for watching the Sick Podcast, which you're watching live on YouTube, live on Facebook, and live on Twitter. And once again, it's brought to you in part by Energy Transportation Group. It's brought to you in part by Playground, and it's brought to you in part by Labitta TV. We'll talk to you about those great partners of ours a little bit later on in the podcast. We have a busy one as two gentlemen are set to join us for the first 30 or 40 minutes or so. And maybe it should be 30, but he loves to talk hockey so much. Why? Because he loves the game so much. He's so much in demand because everyone can feel and sense and hear his passion when he talks about the game. So you see him on TV, you see him on radio. I kind of felt guilty because they played two games in the last two nights Tonight's a night off. They're back at it tomorrow. I sent them a text message earlier today, and I said, it's a bad day for you today. You are way too interesting a hockey person, and I need to have you on my podcast tonight. And he answered back, okay. And here he is. They call him the Bear. He is the head coach of the Arizona Coyotes. André Tourigny, bonsoir, mon ami. Comment ça va? Ça va bien, toi, Tony? T'es en forme? Ça, très en forme, mais pas vraiment en forme physiquement, mais en forme <laughs> au niveau de l'énergie, oui. Oui, toi, c'est comment bon. ça va? How are you doing? Very good, very good. I had a, it's a great day today. It's a day off for, for us, so I had a little bit of time for myself, so that was good. All right, so, you know, you're so busy and you're working all the time. I'm wondering what you do when you have a day off. Let's just say you just played two games and two nights, huh? and it's yeah. a day off. Yeah. Don't tell me you get in front of your iPad or you get in front of your computer and you're still watching game tape. Don't tell me. Well, I just I can tell you right now, New, New, New Jersey just hit the post against St. Louis in the 2-1 uh, game. <laughs> I'm watching that game, but 
Uh, we're, we're playing tomorrow afternoon at one, so I had to yeah. work today. I had but to, don't to you ever don't you ever detach during the hockey season? No, not much. And I like it that way, Tony. You, you, I, I, it happened when I'm tired. I want to be able to rest, kind of a have a later morning and having maybe a nap in the afternoon, that kind of stuff. But the rest of the day, I will uh, most likely work on either the next game or the, you know, there's now, like, you know, the, all the advanced stats. Yeah. Uh, you, you need to, you need to study it. It's not just about taking a quick peek, look, look at it. And when you take your coffee, you need to go a little bit deeper to understand the numbers. You look at, I look at the numbers every day, but in day like today, you, you're looking a little bit more in depth. Okay. Why, why our number in this area are not good enough or why St. Louis are that good at doing this or why what's Montreal do special to be that good at this or whatever it is. So you look the number and then after you need to dig in and a little bit and say, okay, why Philadelphia is that good at this blocking shot example? Is it really, it's for sure related to that willingness and stuff, but is there something in their structure who allowed them to uh, be a little bit more in the shooting lane versus what we're doing? So the, the you always have to try to put that in perspective and uh, look at how how we can improve. So you you answered some of my question, I think, in terms of looking at those analytics, looking at some of those advanced stats. But mm. if you can, give us an idea for all of us watching uh, of what a typical day like is like on a, an off day, and which is today, and what a typical day will be like tomorrow on a game day. And I, I basically want to know, what time you get up, uh, what time you make your way over to the rink, who you get, who you have meetings with, what you go over, how much video you watch, what information is available to you. Uh, take me through all of it if you can. Yeah, we, uh, but th there's, there's three different days. There's the game day, there's a day off, which today is a day off, meaning the player are not coming at the ring, the, 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 there's nobody at the ring, or there's the practice day. You know, example, today's a day off, so I woke up a little bit later, uh, and then I, I just went for a walk, and then after I, I did my game, I, I reviewed last night's game, uh, and uh, this afternoon I uh, I answered a few emails and did my stuff, and I watched hockey tonight. So that's not too busy. I as well prepared um, all I, – I read the – Winnipeg Analytic Report, we're playing tomorrow. So what's their strength, their weakness, and what, what can we do against that? So that was my day-to-day. -to -day. Tomorrow morning, it, again, it's it's a weird day, but let's say we were playing at night. I will I will be at the, the ring around 7 a.m., and then I will uh, review a few, a few of our last game uh, clip I want to present to the team. I will the, the way I did it, I do it, is after a game example, I review all the game. We have a lot of topics, and we pick three. We say, okay, we'll review three with the team. There's three topics we'll talk. Two on non-game day, where we'll be more teaching. Example, you want to review st stuff on your D zone. want to review where you, you really struggle on a few details or whatever it is, and you can have, a, let's say, the breakup, whatever. And that will be on, on non-game day. will be before practice. We'll do that. On game day, I will take the more – positive uh, thing we want to review, kind of maybe reinforce uh, 
how important is the read of our second guy on the four check or whatever mm -hmm. the detail or the point. And that will be on game day. Whoa. That's sorry. okay. You can pick it up there. I don't know what it was, yeah. but uh, go for it. <laughs> don't my, worry about it. Don't worry about that's it. That's my AirPod. <laughs> uh, it's okay. Hey, listen, uh, I know you're not in the biggest hockey market in the world. Yeah. Having said that, do you get recognized when you go grocery store uh, or whatever? No, not much. Not much. No, not there, much. there's uh, there there. Some people know, but it's rare. Though. It's really rare they, to finish on the, on the typical day. Is if, if example, it's not a, a game day. The, the day will start around 5 a.m. So we'll uh -huh. get at the ring around 5 a.m. And the player will uh, arrive at the ring around. We'll start around 8:30. We have a meeting at at 9:30. So the, the guy will arrive around 8:30, have breakfast. So as the coach, we meet at 7:30. So we when we say meet, it. Example, Mario Duhamel is responsible of the D zone, offensively, defensively. Yeah. John Madden is the neutral zone, and Blaine Forsythe is the offensive zone. So each of them will have video they want to share with the, the group of coach on each of their zones. So that will be at 7.30 in the morning. 7.30 in the morning, we'll review that. Then we decide, okay, what do we present? What's the, like I said, the, the topic we want to present today, the mm -hmm. team will, will pick two. We'll present that at 9.30. We'll explain the practice. Then at 11, we're on the ice. Uh, after the, the 9.30 meeting, we'll most likely we'll have individual meeting. Example, uh, I will meet with Deadline or with this guy or whatever. Uh, mm -hmm. Every day I try, I, I want to make sure I do that. Whatever, if it's big deal or no big deal, sometimes just a touch base. Hey, how are you doing? What, mm -hmm. what do you think of your role? Stuff like that. And then after practice, that's where we will look at for the opponent so we'll review the practice talk about the practice how it went and stuff like that bill armstrong will will pop by after the practice we'll talk about the practice we'll talk about tomorrow's lineup stuff like that and us the coaches will start to work on our opponent so uh, who's the next opponent what they do what they do right and everything and we'll finish the next morning on the gate the, the day of the game so uh, that's a little bit our right. our daily routine five four and one for your arizona coyotes third in the central division seven at the western conference going into the games tonight i have to tell you uh, as much as you're a good coach and as much as you know i like you count me among those who are surprised so if i would have told you going into the season that after 10 games you'd be five four and one what would you have told me uh i don't know i don't know I, honestly it's uh we really like our training camp. We really like, uh, there, there's a few player, as much as you know them, mm -hmm. when they're on your team, you learn to know them better. You know their real value. And uh, Zucker was one of them. And I will say Kerfoot is another of them where, okay, they're, they're pretty good. They're a really good player. They're, they really uh, improve the value. The other thing you don't know during the summer is, okay, Liam O'Brien has a really good start. He, he's, you know, mm -hmm. people in Montreal say, well, okay, he's still a fourth-line guy. Yeah, but it's a fourth-line guy who has such a good start, him and McBain and Kerfoot together. They can play against the top six player every night and be a plus player. So that changed a lot of things because now that changed your matchup, that changed how you can use your best player, that change of the fact of you can – I cannot some night – use Keller, Aiden, and then Schmaltz against a third and the fourth line because I'm not afraid of my fourth line playing against the top six line on the other side. So that changed a lot of things. So it's not necessarily something I will have tell you we will be able to do that during the summer, but it's actually something we're doing right now. So that 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 helped a lot. 
and the performance of our goaltender as well a little bit montreal their goal goaltending are it's phenomenal so far yeah uh, but ours is pretty good as well all right so um what do you want to see from your fourth line? I know you said your fourth line can play against the top six of any other team. So that changes a lot of things up in terms yeah. of the matchups. But, you know, back in the 90s, I'll take you to the crash yeah. line in New Jersey. Yeah. It was a line that would hit, uh, that would try and change the momentum of a hockey game. And then up until a couple of years ago, we started to see even good players, skilled players, teams try and balance their lines. And the fourth line would be a line that could really play hockey. Has yep. it has it gone back to what it was? Is it what it is now? Is it a hybrid? What do you look for in a fourth line in terms of the composition of it? Yeah, that's a good point, Tony. I, I think personally, you want each of your line to have an identity. So whatever they can be, they need to be uh, special at something. It, it it can be a shutdown line where it's elite defensively. That's great. That's perfect. That's a good fourth line. Can be a fourth line who can generate enough offense. Let's say you're let's say um, uh, Seattle last year with mm -hmm. guys like Daniel Sprong on the fourth line. And uh, I think everybody on the fourth line had that, at least 10 goals. Okay. They, it's a fourth line who can contribute offensively. They, they have something special, or you can have the fourth line of the New York Islanders in the fourth, this fourth line is together for, I think 10 years, which is like Martin and, and then um, Clutterberg, which they bring momentum. They're really good defensively. They're, 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 they're physical. They grind the opponent. So they are really good at something. What you don't want is having a forward line who's vanilla. You know, if you look last year, example, in Tampa Bay, when they have Belmar, Perry, and Maroon, okay, they, they have size, they have toughness, they're, 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 they're not fun to play against, they're experienced. Okay, they have something. What you don't want is a forward line where it's, okay, it's three initial players together. What's their strength? Yeah. They're, they have no identity. They're, they're, there's... They're just they're just they're NHL player, but they have nothing as a line. So for us, yeah. if you look O'Brien, McBain, and Kerfoot, uh, McBain and Kerfoot and Obi are three guys who are playing on the on our PK. There are three uh, McBain and O'Brien are really physical. They're tough. They can fight at any time in the game. They hit hard. Kerfoot is a guy who uh, has a lot of pace and a lot of experience. Uh, he's he's more than a, a fourth line guy, but right now. That allowed us, like I said earlier, put Kerfoot with them, allowed us to play them against the top six and or top nine. And that free up some – some. Uh, I, I got some loose as a coach to use Logan Cooley, whatever I want. Yeah. You know, I, I don't have to use Cools against the top six. Now you I don't have use... to worry about matching lines, changing on the no. fly, and when you're on the road. Exactly. Road. I got it. yeah. So, so I don't have to cut the momentum of our best player. I can rhythm. just get, get some rhythm and – the night Logan, because a young player uh, can struggle, that's not a problem. I will, I will be able to play him against someone who he will be able to perform. Which, if uh, we didn't have a fourth line who excel like that, now you you have to expose the young cools maybe yeah. playing against a top six, and that can be tough some nights. Some nights it can be perfect, but some nights can be tough. Yeah, growing pains for sure. It's the best league in the world, right? I, I love that you mentioned that kid because I love that kid, and we're going to get to him at one point here. But uh, safe to say a year ago, let's, let's go back yeah. one year. A year ago, your team was in a rebuild? Oh, yeah. Okay, one year later, today, November 3rd, when you went into the season this year, you talked about your good training camp. What yeah. was your message to your team? When you sat down with your general manager, 
Did you say to your general manager, I think we're ready to turn the corner? Did he say to you, I think we're ready to turn the corner? Did you both say to the players, I think we're ready to turn the corner? Or are you still in a rebuild? What's the story? Oh, we, we, we think we're, the way Billy put it, and I agree with him, it's we're phase two. We're not... We're not at the, 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 the stage we want to we're a contender or we are kind of a team who's locked for the playoff or we're kind of a team who wants to go and say, hey, we, our goal is to make the playoff. We're not there yet. We just want to be better than last year, grow, see our young player grow, be competitive. The, the language we use is we want to play meaningful game after the, the, the All-Star break. We want to be in it. We want to... Ch- we want to be either in it or chasing it, but be close enough where we get that experience as an organization of uh, being playing on the edge and winning big game or the rivers losing a big game and really have this thing of, oh, that hurt. And, you know, you, we want to have that kind of experience inside of our organization. I mean, that said, we won't for sure put a lid on what we want to do we, yeah. we just know we can win the game every night we knew we could win yesterday we knew we could win in the and we obviously we didn't so we knew that so we want to make sure uh we're heading in that direction again tomorrow we're playing winnipeg it's a good yeah. team they had their heavy we want to win that game we and from there we'll see what happens it, it we're not there yet and it's a hypothetical question, so maybe there's no answer to it because we're not there yet, but I'm going to ask it anyway, okay? What if trade deadline is next week and you're in a playoff spot? You, the coach, is going to want to make the playoffs and you're going to want, you're going to, you know, you would love to have some additional help. The general manager has to think of, I'm not so sure I want to trade a draft pick or draft picks and or a prospect to get immediate help because I don't think we have the team to contend for the Stanley Cup. But others have another school of thought, which is once you get in, everyone's got a shot, right? Yeah. Yeah. Do you think it's a hypothetical, but do you think that if trade deadline was next week, that you guys would your general manager would go out and try and do something to put the team over the top, or you would stick to the plan and make it all uh happen organically? I think we're, we would stick to the plan because that's what Billy and I believed in. I think that's it. That doesn't mean we will not improve the team. Is will we be all in? No, I, I'm sure not. Will we trade Dylan Gunter to improve? I will be. I will vote again. Whoever we can get, I, I think Guns is part of uh, the, the future. If we want to win a championship, Gunter will be a part of it. Or if it's, I don't know as much Shemeshev and. Uh, boot uh, we we dropped this year because you know they, they could not be at the camp so i, I cannot yeah. talk about those guys but whoever it is it will not be my decision and I, it's always who who you can get the uh, number of year the age of this guy whatever but um i don't think we are in all i'm sure we're not in all institution i think that said i think tony that is not something in the media it happened overnight but not in the real life you know yeah, what i mean yeah. Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll, we'll see. And like, you know, thanks, American Thanksgiving. Okay, we'll, we'll see what's the picture. You know, there, there's a, not, not Bill Armstrong, not my GM, a GM on another team when we had the, the league meeting uh, this, this year in September. Uh, he, he told me, he said that Thanksgiving is really important because he said that's where everybody start to take a direction. 
And he reminds me one of his year when he was GM, he said at Thanksgiving, we were out of it. And then I started to make phone calls and prepare for uh, getting some asset and everything. And he said, suddenly your team started to play better. But he said, all your meeting, all your prep was at about that is what would be the plan. It would be maybe to trade one or two guys and get some draft pick and everything. And suddenly you start to have, you have a good month, an example in February. And now you, you're not, you're not as ready as to go in the different direction because your plan for the last two, three months was yeah. in one direction, the schedule of your pro scout and everything. So that date is, is pretty important. You know, it, it's not impossible to change your direction. The St. Louis Blues did a couple of years ago, but uh, most likely when you, 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 you know what Americans Thanksgiving, which team will be seller and which team will be buyer. Yeah. Do you believe in the window of when the window is to win and, and you know, uh, what does that mean exactly? Does that mean that your best players have to be 28 or you believe your best players can be 32? Do you believe a, a team that's going to win the Stanley Cup one day has to have a mix of players that are very young, some who are veterans who are in their 30s, some who are in the prime of their career that are in their mid-20s? And what elements do you believe a Stanley Cup winning team will have? Well, but that's a, that's a really good question, Tony, but I will tell you what I believe in that. I, I think you need entry-level contract who deliver way above what they are paid. You know what I mean? Uh, you need or the Brendan Hagel or the Nick Paul who are uh, on the low-cap contract, but they will get paid, but they're, they're not yet. So that allowed you to go over the edge. I really believe what makes the difference when you talk about your window is in the NHL, let's say a flyer word between whatever, 3.5 million and 4.6. Okay, it words, let's say 3.5 to 4.5. It worth that. You agree with that. I agree with that. The industry agree with that. If you pay it, if you pay him 4.5, your chance to win are really low. Because at the end of the day, what you need is most talent you can get for whatever the cap is, 82 million. Best bang that's, for your buck. That's that's what makes the difference at the end of the day. When the, we all agree, this guy worth four point five. We all agree. Yeah. And if you give him four point five, and all of your players like that in your team are pay what they worth, but they are the I end of they're pay at the I end of what they worth. It's tough to accumulate enough good player in your team to win. So you need some guys who are pay at the low end of what they were. I'm not saying they should be underpaid. That is no good as well. I, I don't want any guys on my team who's not treated right. But if they are pay the, like I said, if a player worth between three, five and four, five, and you get somewhere between three and three, seven, five, now you have a chance to win. Now you have a chance to win. If you have many of those guys in your team, it's one or two more good player in your team. And that will put you over the hedge. That will make your, third pairing of defensemen or your third line better or whatever it is. And now you have the, the window is there. It, when you start to have guys who make, I won't say too much money because they worth that money. If they get that money, it's because they worth that. But if they're at the, let's put it that way. If they are at the high end of what they worth, uh, it's tough to accumulate enough good player in your team to win. Uh, in pro sports, mostly hockey and soccer, because other sports have a little bit of a they're, they're a different 
kind yeah. of situation. I'm going to explain, right? You have coaches who are, some are offensive minded with offensive yeah. ideologies. Some are defensive minded with defensive ideologies. So some might come in, preach offense, and this is the way I want us to play. We're going to play like this all the time. We're going to work on our game and we're not going to adjust to the opponent. If we play our game, we're going to be fine. Others say, hey, you know what? I think we got to win with defense and we probably don't have the team on paper. We're going to be a very defensive-minded team, the the Lemaire teams, the Hitchcock teams of yep. the past and all that stuff. And other coaches are kind of like generalists, right? They kind of work on different aspects. They do have their style of play, but you know what? If they're uh, if they're up to one in the third period, instead of going for that third goal, they're going to try and uh, uh, clamp down with probably 10 minutes left or five minutes left and try whatever. Where do you see yourself? Where do you? In which category do you fall in? Offensive minded, defensive minded, generalist? Who basically? Um, I know it's a good question. I, 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 uh, Does it make sense what I'm saying? Or well, yeah, yes and no. I think it's, it's the story of my life. My, yes and no. <laughs> in the sense of, I, I think that is old school. I think Michel Bergeron was a motivator. Uh, Jacques Demers was a motivator. You can say uh, Jacques Lemaire was a defensive coach. I think that doesn't work anymore. Oh, really? Uh, what, 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 how, how will you coach Austin Matthews if it's all about defense and your team? How, how will he buy him? How, what, what do you do with McDavid if you have McDavid? They're going to be miserable. They're not going to like yeah. playing that kind of system because these guys like to score goals and they have the ability to do so. So Dave Tippett is known for a good defensive coach. But he was he was capable of having a system where allowed a guy like uh, McDavid and Drysdale to perform and everything. I think now uh, the hockey improved. Yeah, you know I I I, you, I like to say I have four head coach with me. We're, we're four head coach here. We, Mario Demel has been head coach. Uh, John Madden has been a head coach. Blaine Forsythe is 13 years in the league. He's, won Stanley Cup, never never been a head coach in our league, but he's he's a really good hockey guy. You know, it's I think I'm an offensive minded guy, there's no doubt about it. Everybody who know me know I like defense. But since I've been with Pat in Colorado and had him foot with sit with me almost on my knee on my lap every day, I know the value of defense and I know how important is defense and I put a lot of time and a premium on defense, but you know, the way I see the game for me, is I want to be that good defensively because I won the puck. Because for me, it's all about I won the puck. That's my – that's everything I do. If you tell me, okay, we won't have the puck, it's tough for me to be motivated as a player or even as a coach. I want us to play with the puck. The pace we have as a team, I think it's pretty good. And the reason why it's, we apply a lot of pressure in the puck here because we want to disturb their timing because we want to recover pucks. I talk a lot about loose puck recovery because I won the puck. Uh, There's a lot of 50-50 battle in our system because I want to recover the puck. I won the puck. So I'm an offensive guy. But if someone say, I'm not putting priority on defense, that's full of crap. That's not true. I I spend a lot of time. It's like Patty Roy. Patty Roy, is he an offensive guy or defensive guy? Uh, Patty Roy, is he an offensive guy or a defensive guy? I, I would say, based on the way his Rampart scored, I would say he was an offensive guy. But based on the way he coached in Colorado, I would say he was probably more into defense at the time. Is that is... He's a guy who will let a lot of creativity to his player offensively, but he's a guy who 
we'll talk about defense 80 percent of the time and if you ask patty for him it's all about offense he says but when i was working with him we were talking about forecheck we're talking about tracking we're talking about diesel we're not talking that much about we were not talking about the rush we're not talking about those things we're talking about defense way more and his point was well he love offense we need the puck we need to be good without the puck so we can play with the puck and i agree with him i think patty described himself as an offensive guy and when i coached with him i can say he was insisting a lot on defense all the time he's still an offensive minded guy I, I like what you said about the way you you coach and i like what you said when you brought up the you know mcdavid and matthews and there's no doubt about it, right? Hockey players want to be in an environment where they can produce, they can score goals, they can put up points. That makes them happy, and you want your players to be happy. But what 100%. would you say a rebuilding team says where we haven't even practiced defensive schemes, defensive concepts yet because we want to play offensive hockey, introduce those offensive concepts, and master those before we can move on to the next step. And I'm afraid about that being a trap question. Is there someone who said that? And I will now will make a comment and people will say e-comment about this team. I am. Uh, <laughs> I have way too much respect uh, for you to actually lie to you. So yes, it, okay. it is, it is, is it, it is a, it is something that I, for the most part that Marty St. Louis said earlier this season, but I think you said that as much as you like offense and preach offense, you are going to pay attention to a lot of defensive oh, yeah. schemes and defensive structure as well. Absolutely. You know, I take a lot of pride in that because if you want to torture me, give the puck at the, uh, the other team all game. That's that I like, I like offense. If we don't have the puck, if you don't put a puck in the ice, don't invite me to, to go play hockey in your league. I'm not going, I'm not mm -hmm. going. I'm not going to skate around. I'm not going yeah. in the free uh, public skating. That that's not happening. I need a puck, yeah. and I need to have the puck. And if if we play in the beer league together, Tony, and our team doesn't have the puck, that's the last year I can guarantee you that I'm not going back. That's I I, I want the puck. So that's the way I think player likes it when they can have the puck. They can play offensively. Having that said, we need to get organized defensively if we want to recover the puck. And you know, I don't know what Martin's marty says and everything but i will say this the comment he made after the game about our team because my son sent it to me is they needed to place the puck behind the goal line and play below the goal line to to uh, keep the puck away from their zone if that's not these defense that's what it, what it is you know the he didn't want to put pucks behind our defenseman and get the four check to make sure we we, we were to keep us away from their zone so that's a little bit the way I like I like to think about defense. When we have the puck in the offensive zone, we try to create a lot of possession because mm -hmm. that one it's fun. Two, we have the puck in their zone. We're not giving up any goal. No guarantee. And, and the key number, and, the first key to possession, of course, you win the faceoff. Yeah, absolutely. In Montreal this year, they they do a really good. Yesterday, the number of faceoff their wingers won for their center. It's unbelievable. Oh, really? Yeah. Our, the wingers, oh, yeah. 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 Their, their wingers won a lot of 50-50 battle, a lot of loose pucks where put us in trouble. We had to dig in and really double down on that because we yeah. were getting abused. The centerman that's doing a master class right now for the Canadians are winning face-offs is Monaghan. He's been absolutely yeah. fantastic this year, Monaghan. has really, really has. And, 
He was uh, really good yesterday as well. I will tell you that. That was the player yesterday. I was like, wow, this guy really played a really solid game. So since your son is sending you clips, you would know yeah. that there's a clip that you uh, you had in a scrum yesterday with members of the media there that made its way back to Montreal and Quebec because Andre Tourigny, for the most part, said the National Hockey League is not a development league. All yeah. right? Yeah. What you said yesterday, probably 99% of coaches and general managers have said over the history of time, the National Hockey League is a production league. It's a winning league. It's not a development league. You develop in other leagues. You develop in college. You develop in the American Hockey League. You develop in Europe. You don't develop in the National Hockey League. Elaborate on that for me if you can. So, well, let me ask you, let me ask you this way. So let's say you are in the National Hockey League, okay? And, yes, you will know where I'm going with this, so I'm going to be transparent with you. But since you opened up that, that, that thing yesterday, you are in the National Hockey League. Let's say you're a team that is in a rebuild and everyone knows it. Can you make it a development league seeing as, yes, you want to win games, but at the end of the day, if you don't, spuffing Zumont, it's not the end of the world? Yeah, that's, but you need to try to be the best as you can every day. It, it, okay, development, you need to develop fire. We agree? Yeah. You need to develop your culture as well. What kind of culture are you developing if you're not trying to be the best version of yourself every day? You think you will build a shitty culture and bringing young player in it, and then when those guys will be ready to be good, you will your culture will become good. How about if the culture is the winning culture is here is that you get better every day? Does that make sense? Okay, I will I will put you in another situation. Tell me. I will I will put you in a situation where you cannot perform. You're the worst guy of your group every day. Because you lack of experience, you're doing something, you're not aware of all the ins and outs of the job and everything. Mm -hmm. And you're living with those guys every day. Mm -hmm. And now, because of your performance, yeah, the performance of those guys is affected. This guy who has a contract who make $3.1 million a year is now minus 12 because he's playing with you and he's carrying you in the sense of you're making mistake. you should not make at that level, at that in that league and now with my 3.1 million i'm minus 12 and instead to have 20 points in 55 games i have 12. and now tony marinero go on air and say i'm not doing my job i'm i'm, I'm way overpaid and three million i should be better and this and that and now my wife is wondering what's going on with you my agent is wondering if I train hard enough during the summer and the fans are whispering and I hear the whispering right and left. How does that affect me to play with this guy who will be good in four years when I'm 32 years old right now? That's a great point because I know what you're saying. Everyone wants the best for everyone, but not at their expense either, right? So it can create... Well, some dissension within either the group or your teammates because basically the player who's weaker says i can get better practicing with these guys every day but the players who are playing with them have to take a bullet for him every day exactly and now the organization will they say okay well we'll give you one more year 3.1 million bear well well we'll we'll get we'll have your back no they probably well, won't I'm no. 30, no because 
they, they want to go with the young guys. So now you're asking me to take the bullet, and on top of it, that will cost my job next year. And you want me to bring the kid at the restaurant and show him the ins and out of the job and, and making sure I'm positive with him every day and all of it. Even if I'm a really good guy and I'm doing it, do you think the young guy is an idiot? When he do you looks think at, he doesn't? When, when he, he looks, looks in the mirror in the morning, he knows. He, he knows. knows. And yeah. when he arrives at night and his line is minus two because he cannot get the puck out because he misses assignment on the tracking because he didn't get his bump on the face off because he got beat at the one on one. Even if I go see him and they say, hey, don't worry about it, that, that stuff happened. That's just a bad day. Have a good night and let's get back at it tomorrow. Do you think the kid will, will get home and say, oh, Barry is such a good guy. No big deal. He's, yeah. he's not mad at me. No, or no. the line, or feels, the lines, the lines course is thirteen percent, and they get hemmed into exactly. their zone. Day he knows exactly, and and even if I'm the best guy, like, I'm taking care of him. I'm doing my job, and I understand it's my last year. I'm I'm stopped playing anyway next year, so I'm happy to help him. Okay, I'm happy. You find the best veteran in the world. Okay, great. Still, the kid get home. And he's going to see his Corsi and he's going to see his advanced stats and he's 620 seconds in the league. You think, you think that's good for his development? You think he's going and say, I will be a hell of a player? You think he doesn't doubt himself? You think he doesn't say, what the hell am I doing? Will I be able to do it in a year or two years or whatever? And now he's, he starts to have a list. I need to get better at this. I need to get better at that. I need to get better at this. I need, need to get stronger. I need to get faster. Now he stayed on the ice for an hour after practice. Now he has tough time to okay. see. That is good for his Perfect. development. Perfect. That is great for his development. I, I, we don't have the same definition of what's great for development. Perfect. So because now I... inside of a team, the people who who've never been there, they need to understand all those guys in the NHL, they take that really seriously. They're professional. They want to deliver. They want to deliver for the contract they have, or they want to get a better contract, or they want to have another contract. There's nobody who show up at the ring and say, ha, ah, whatever. If we have a great day, we have a great day. If we have a bad day, we have a bad day. They're all proud athletes. They want to be good. And it happened with us last year yeah. when we have, we have not young, young guys, certain veterans who were not working and playing at the level, Clayton Keller sometimes was looking at me, and I know he was looking at me, meaning, what the hell are we doing? You know, he, 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 he was respectful, but I knew through his eyes, he was looking at me kind of a, hey, mm-hmm. you need to be better than that. Mm-hmm. That cannot be acceptable. And I agree with him. I mm-hmm. was kind of, okay, we need to do something about that's the And we, we knew we were rebuilding. We knew what we were. We accept it. We fight with it. We had a I'm extremely proud of the way the player fought, but we had to protect that and make sure, listen, we're not here to try to be bad. We're trying to be good because we're professional. I, as a coach, I was doing everything I could to be well-prepared for the next game and the team to be well-prepared, and the player were doing the same. That's why we believe in if we do the thing the same way that we did last year and the year before, we will be successful. When you say, okay, now we have to do it differently, well, that was wrong then. You know, you were not doing it right. I, I hate to put you on the spot here, but you're a very big boy, so I know you'll be able to handle this question. Um, are you concerned about Barrett Hayton? He's played 35 games yeah. at the American Hockey League level over the last three years, and it seems like 
This year, when we're expecting him to take a step forward, it seems like he's taken a step back. He's hit a little bit of a roadblock. Yeah. Are you concerned? Well, you know, you know when he scored his first goal last year? No. After Christmas. Wow. And he scored 19. So I hope it will be well before Christmas. But I, I, he's been on that road before. I've been on that road before. Do, do I like him? No. You should go into the locker he... room tomorrow and tell him it's January 4th. <laughs> yeah. hey, I will run in the locker room dressed like Santa Claus tomorrow. <laughs> no, but uh, he, he, he will be the – if you knew Barrett Eaton, there's nobody more serious than Barrett Eaton. He is – he, 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 everything he drinks, everything he eats, everything he breathes is hockey. He is too serious. You know, he lives with Cleveland Keller and Kels, and Kels is super driven. And Kels said, he keep me in line because this guy never cheat on anything. Wow, and that's, that's good. Barrett Eaton. And that's he, good. he's the guy, he's the first guy in the ice last. He, he's the kind of guy I have to meet every year to say, okay, you need to do less. Like your workload is too high. You need to practice less. You need to, to, to settle down a little bit. So that's Barrett Eaton. So my worry, no. Yeah. But it's we need him. We need him badly. We need him to start producing. Okay, that's he's really important. He's playing on our first part play, first line. He's yeah. playing PK for us. He's he, he's one of the guys trust the most in the team. But uh, his production is not right. He needs to. He will produce more than that. Uh, we know when when the floodgate will open, that will pour. But it where we cannot wait to start pouring. Players in their rookie season, I won't keep you for much longer, 18, 19 years of age, at one point they hit a wall. It's a very long season. Yep. Anaheim yep. has adopted with the load management philosophy vis-a-vis -vis Leo Carlson. Is that something that you're looking at for Logan Cooley? Nope, absolutely. Uh, no, for, uh, because I think uh, Logan eventually will have to play 82 games and be wear down and be able to play when he's mentally exhausted. And that is, you can tell him that as much as you want, he needs to go through it. So uh, I, and I have no doubt Leo Carlson will go through it this year as well, because I, and I will uh, manage his load, but still at some point, it's the best league in the world. It's the intensity of every game mentally is, if you've never been there, it's tough to understand all, how much is the mending. So eventually mentally he will, he will get tired. Same thing for Logan. And we will manage him then. That's the way we will do it. When we'll feel he hits the wall, we'll try to manage him to give him a chance to breathe a little bit. But um, hopefully he will surprise us. I'm not going to ask you what you would do with your Slavkovsky because he's not on your team and that would put you in a bad spot. So this is what I'm going to do, okay? I'm going to ask you, if you had a player that you drafted first overall who was about six foot four, <laughs> 230 pounds, and was playing in his second season and only had one assist after 10 games and was having a really hard time with defensive zone coverage, was having a hard time manufacturing offense, was having a hard time establishing chemistry with his linemates, wasn't able to get on the first two waves of the power play either. What would you do with a player like that? Not that I'm mentioning anybody's name, of course, because I have so much respect for you. I'd never put you in a bad spot. You know no, what? never. I love you. No, I know you're such a great guy. You will never do that. Uh, uh, it's it, I'm not inside their dressing room. I never talk to the young guy. I have no clue how. I think, you know, there's a quote in our video room. Uh, and I, I really like that quote. It's from John Wooden. He said, 
it's not everybody can be treated the same way because it's not everybody who earn the same thing. You need to work for what you get. Trust is earned. And it's not everybody who earn the same level of trust. So I don't know about this this young guy or another guy in another team. There, there's for anybody, any coach in the league can watch our our team and say, why the hell this guy played that much? You you just talk about Barrett Eaton. You're probably wondering why this guy played 20 minutes a night. He doesn't have a point in, in, in whatever 9-10 game. No, but inside, you ask any of our players, they know. They know the answer. They know how hard he works and what kind of animal we have there. And everybody loves him and the coach loves him. And everybody understands. But from the outside, the, the question you asked me today, there's a reporter from Phoenix who asked me yesterday. So from the outside, it's normal you have that question. But from the inside, we know the answer. So if you want to know the answer at your question, you should have you should ask someone in the inside. You probably have the answer, but I cannot yeah. have the answer because I'm on the outside. I understand that. Unfortunately, I haven't come on the podcast yet because we only live 15 <laughs> kilometers away. But you that lives 10,000 kilometers away, you have. I got two more very quick ones, okay? So I'll make this one easy for you. Let's take a big player that I just talked about. Okay, let's just take a big player. Usually when a player is bigger and stronger than his peers before the National Hockey League, they tend to dominate, right? Because they get by in athleticism, they get by in physicality. But at the expense of um, using their hockey brain, because they get by on their physicality mm -hmm. and their athleticism. So now they have to exercise that hockey brain. Now you have Clayton Keller. He's a small guy. Canadians have Cole Caulfield. He's a small guy. Nick Suzuki's 5'11". He's not the biggest player in the league either. Their hockey brain is elite because they've always been smaller than maybe most of the players on the ice. So they've always had to use that all the time for them to get by. So they'll always have an advantage on that other players, and that'll always be their strength. But a player who's big and strong that got by that didn't exercise that, what are some of the things that can be done to exercise that and would, would, a lower league actually help him or hurt him because the lower league will give him more time and space to think, but you actually want him to think faster because he's going to need to in the big league. Again, I will, I will make sure to mention, I'm not talking about Sofoski. I'm, I'm talking here as a, I've been a scout for, for a long time. So let's say as a scout there, there's player who were now known to be man child, and when they will arrive in the NHL will not be the same because they will not dominate physically. It's true that happened. That that is true. There's as well the player who was so smart was not a was not necessarily a great skater. It was not physical, but was so smart. We thought, oh, you will you will go by. You will, you will make it to the NHL because it's so so smart. And when he arrived in the NHL, stronger, other smart guy, great, uh, bigger, faster. The guys never make it. And there's as well there's. The, the player who uh, could not skate but was big and uh, smart, and we thought, oh, he will make it in the NHL because he's so big and he's so smart and could not make it. So th there's whatever you – it's it's always example that the old say, oh, after Christmas, the small guy disappear. Oh, yeah? Did you ever see Sidney Crosby disappear? Did, did you ever see that? I never see that. I, no. I don't think he's six foot. Eh? Well, Patrick King did not disappear that much in the playoff when they won Stanley Cup. And there, but 
Oh, there's exception. There's exception in both. I can name you big guy who Marty, after Marty St. Louis didn't Marty St. Louis. Here yeah, we yeah, go. Yeah. Yeah. And, and at the reverse, he was really good in the playoff. And you have big guy. Uh, example, Vincent LeCavalier had unbelievable playoffs some years. And other years, he was terrible. But what? No, if you're a big guy and you're terrible after Christmas, what? what the, it's not about big or small. It's about it's not every year you have a good year and it's not every year it clicks and whatever your size your speed or it's situational it's not always the same pattern it's it just some people like big players so i assume you have a small player as a bad bad stretch after christmas oh the small guy cannot play after christmas and then you have the other guy who loves skill who say oh this big guy cannot play when there's no time and space or whatever so so i don't i'm not a I'm not in that pattern. I think for me, each player should be treated uh, individually. And it's not one one way to develop a player. There's not one way to judge a player. Yeah. I think you need to have an open mind. For but, development... Yeah, what could be done uh, to exercise the brain on a player that uh, hadn't exercised it that much yeah. prior to the NHL? I, I think it's, uh, first of all, the player has... To, to, to want to improve it and everything. But that's the, uh, John Madden here said something I really find interesting. If you have a player, let's say on scale to one to five, if he's a two, you will not make him a three. You will make him a 2.5, but that's it. That's, you, you won't, name me a guy who arrived in the league at, at below average Ocasens and when he retired, he was above average Ocasens. That doesn't happen. There, there's player who arrive in the league and you say, oh, they're, they're, they don't have enough hockey sense. And then a couple of years later, you say, okay, they're, they're average. Their hockey sense is fair. Well, they, they don't become above average. So that, and same thing on your skating. You know, Mark Stone, when he arrived in the league, could not, his skating was an issue, let's say. Yeah. Well, now his skating is not his strength. He go by, he's, he's average. He's, his brain is elite, but his skating is not elite. His brain was elite. Remain elite. He improved his skating, like by 0.5, something like that. But he did not become an elite skater. Same thing for Ryan O'Reilly or other guy. So I think you can improve the brain by point point five, but you cannot improve by five points. I, I don't believe that. I, and I think if you to develop, it's always a. So I second guess myself on that. Let's say the guy has a pattern who he's doing wrong at the lower level. And you bring him on the next level because you want to break that pattern. If you send him back in the lower level, will he, will he go back in his old pattern and be a man child and beat the guys because he's stronger and bigger than everybody? Or will he improve his, his, his read? I don't know. His confidence there, will improve. His confidence will improve. I totally agree with you, but that's not the question you asked me. No. You asked me, will he improve his decision-making? Uh, I don't know. Maybe he will go back, and he will go back in his old habit. And yeah, I don't know. I don't know the answer. Only one way to find out, I guess. I've kept you here so long on your on your night off. I, I, and I, every time I, I get you on, I always tell you the same thing, right? Coach, I kept you on so long, but I, I feel guilty. <laughs> but it, it just it seems like the conversation comes very, very easy. Uh, for us when we do it so time yeah. flies when you're having fun so in 30 seconds i'll give you 30 seconds to answer this last one just tell me something about logan cooley because every year there's young players that come into the league and they excite me 
right? And this year for me, it's him. And he excites me. Like I watch him play. Some days I think I see a little bit of Patrick Kane. I, I watch him play. Sometimes I think I see a little bit of Denis Savard. I don't know. I got so many names going through my mind. But I do know that every player that I think of that reminds me of him was a very good player. And they excited me too back in the day. So what can you tell me about this kid? Uh, uh, what I will say, you you know his skill, you know his speed, you know uh, a lot about him. I, he really have an edge. He is really greedy. He's, uh, he has pushed back and he's super competitive. That's what excited me because I knew he had skill. And he's a real one. He has fun. Oh, he's... He's a real he, you know, and he's the the quiet one. He's not the vocal one. He doesn't talk. He's he doesn't say boo. He smile, yeah, but he doesn't say much. But he cares a lot, and he's super competitive. I like that, Coach. This has been a treat for everyone watching. As a matter of fact, I'll ask everyone watching on YouTube Live, Facebook Live, and Twitter Live if you loved listening and watching Andre Turini right now. Comment sick. S-I-C-K, S-I-C-K, S-I-C-K. He is the head coach of the Arizona Coyotes, and I know he has a a job right now, obviously, but, you know, uh, I hope one day we'll see him a little bit closer uh, to home. One day. Uh, Maybe even here at home, of course, is what I'm talking about. But right now, he's with the Arizona Coyotes, (laughs) and they're very lucky to have him. And Montreal Canadiens fans are very lucky to have Martin St. Louis because I like him very much as well. Coach, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Uh, thank you, Tony. All right. Good have luck. A good week. All right. Merci beaucoup. All right. There you have it. Andre Turini. All right. Okay. We are. Um, we have another guest who's coming up. I've been in communication with him. Um, okay. Uh, here we go. We are good to go. I just text him. Um, okay. Join now. All right. Okay. Here we go. And it looks like he's going to join us. Any second now. As a matter of fact, there he is. I had a chance. I I had a, I came across a series of tweets. I'm not going to lie to you. Earlier today, courtesy of Jordan Schmaltz, who's a former NHLer, uh, and they caught my interest. And I said, "Can I get you on the podcast?" And he said, "Yes." It was very short notice, so I appreciate him doing this. Let's bring him in. Former NHL Jordan Schmaltz. How you doing, bud? What's up, brother? How you doing? Long-time listener, also a first-time caller. So uh, how we doing? Uh, long-time listener, first-time caller. Is, is this actually – are you serious or just one of those lines? No, I'm just one of those lines, brother. Thank uh, you for okay. having me. I was, I was getting all excited. I'm like, where where did yeah. he end up listening to me, considering that he's a Wisconsin boy? Are you not? Or? Yeah, I am. Just outside of Madison, I'm originally from. I, uh, I live in Arizona now down here in Scottsdale. But, yes, uh, originally from Madison, Wisconsin. Just outside. All right. Why don't we do this for those who aren't familiar or weren't familiar of uh, with your career? Let's yep. bring up your hockey DB if we can. Yeah, pull her up. See what we got. There the we go, there. and there you have it. Uh, Jordan okay. Schmaltz was a uh, former first round pick, twenty fifth overall back in the twenty twenty draft, courtesy of the St. Louis Blues. Uh, yep. Played in the USHL, WCHA, NCHC, American Hockey League. Then started with the Blues, played his first games in 2016-17, back down to the American Hockey League, back up to the National Hockey League over two seasons, and then back down to the American Hockey League. And then you'll notice HIFK Helsinki 2021-2022. So why is that interesting? 
Well, Yuri Slavkovsky has been much in the news as of late and all over social media. And by the way, folks, by the way, for those who are watching, for those who are listening, for those who had a chance to, to, to see what I wrote or hear what I said on social media, it's if we think the kid should go down to the American Hockey League, it doesn't mean we're picking on the kid, and it doesn't mean we don't like the kid, because I can tell you right now, I love the kid, but if I think he should go to the American Hockey League, it's because I like him so much. I think that's where he can rediscover his confidence. That's where he can work on some of the things, and when he comes up, he'll be more ready. That's my opinion. Now, it's not because I didn't play or I didn't coach that it means I'm wrong, and it doesn't mean I'm right. So. It's just, let's get that out of the way because a lot of people got very sensitive. They got mad at me today because why are you picking on the kid? If I say he's got to go to Laval, doesn't mean I'm picking on him. And it means I'm trying to help him. All right, Jordan, uh, you have a chance to say now what you tweeted. You played against Slavkowski. Give I me did. your thoughts. Yeah, so I, I mean, I was kind of ended my career right over here. Uh, and before that season, uh, the 2021 season, I was in Tucson. Uh, it was, you know, post-pandemic. Set an American Hockey League deal with the Coyotes farm team in Tucson. So I finished out that year. It was kind of at a crossroads for me, if you kind of back it up, just, you know, going up and down from the, the minors to the NHL. I was a healthy scratch a lot of the times with St. Louis and could never really find my footing, even though I was a high pick. So, what did I do? I, I wanted to change it up. I was kind of burnt out of playing in the American Hockey League. It was looking like I was probably going to have to sign, you know, a lower two-way or uh, AHL deal for the following year. So I ended up going over to Helsinki and playing for a coach that played a little bit in the NHL, Billy Peltonen. So I was playing in Helsinki. Uh, Slavkowski was playing for TPS Turku, which is a team about an hour and a half just to the west of Helsinki. And we actually ended up playing them in a playoff series, a seven game series. And then probably, I probably saw them five or seven times uh, throughout the year, just in the regular season. And I thought every time we played against him, he was a kid that was progressively, progressively getting better. I thought, you know, even coming back from the Olympics, he had a little bit more confidence because I think he struggled early on, which rightfully so. He was a, a young player. He was 17 years old playing in a pretty good, you know, pro hockey league in, in terms of playing against men. So I thought uh, throughout that year, he he got better, but I, I still thought that, um, you know, there were some holes or issues in his game that, you know, despite being a, a physical freak, that there were some things he needed to work on. And, and for me, like, I didn't know that draft class that well, right? Because I was probably 10 years older than a lot of these kids. So yeah, of course. I was able to see him and I thought he was, a again, a physical specimen. I thought he could skate pretty well in a straight line. I just thought he was pretty raw. And then the other night I watched him at Mullet, uh, the arena uh, in here in uh, Phoenix, you know, because my, my brother's on the team, obviously, and you know, I go to quite a few Coyotes games. I just thought, you know, there hadn't been a whole lot of progression up until this point. And, man, the NHL is a hard league. It's, uh, it's hard to play in that league. And I just think, you know, for me, I think if I was, you know, in that Montreal war room or with their brass, which I'm not, I'm a guy just sitting here bullshit. But yeah. I think, you know, he would. Uh, he Your brother's would, a good player, by the way. Yeah, I just think a kid like that would really benefit from, you know, going down to the American Hockey League, getting, you know, trying to get that confidence back, you know, get those reps, play on the power play where it's a little slower. The guys aren't as, you know, big, fast, stronger. It's cliche, but I just thought, you know, in terms of where his development is at, I think it's kind of, you know, halted and it's he's probably lost a lot of confidence. I think, you know, going down to the American Hockey League, it's not that's not to discredit where he could end up being. Right. I just think 
right now with with where his game is at, I think, you know, that could be a really good thing to, uh, you know, get him over the hump and, and really, you know, work with him down there with the development staff. So he was in Finland. He obviously could have stayed in Finland. They could have kept him there. They chose to bring him to the National Hockey League. Would you have kept him in Finland or would you have brought him to Laval last year? Yeah, that's I mean, that's a hard question, right? Because, again, I'm who am I to say, right? Like I've, I've had a cup of Joe in the NHL and I was a guy that, you know, was not I don't think I was a bust, but I was a guy that probably should have played a little bit longer if you look at where I was drafted. So it's hard to say, you know, the kid was 17, 18 years old. You want them to be comfortable. What could he have been better off playing in the American Hockey League last year or, you know, maybe even in a, you know, a major junior league? I'm not sure because, again, he's a first overall pick playing in a Canadian market. You know, you want to get that kid into a, your system and up and coming, right, with a, a team that has a young core and they're trying to build. And, you know, he's a cornerstone piece of what they want to or like where they want to go and what they want to be. So I don't know. It's hard to say. Um, hindsight's always twenty twenty. For him, I think just if you're looking at it right now, I think, you know, maybe a month or two in the AHL would uh, would really go a long way just to kind of slow things down take a little heat off him and really get back to his game because, you know, you're still wanting this player to have a long career and be a really big piece of your team moving forward. Right. I mean, he's still only two years into a young career, like the kid's 19 or 20 years old. So what are we really talking about? I'm just thinking, you know, if you're thinking in the short term, I think that would probably be the best option right now for him. Yeah. You know, it's, it's such a difficult question, right? Because for as many examples you could give me of kids who went down to the American Hockey League who were struggling in their first two seasons of the National Hockey League, and then it did them some good when they got called back up, I could give you that many examples of kids who started their NHL career and were not producing very much the first couple of years and then just got better and better and better. So it's it's such a difficult question to tackle, this whole development question. And everyone in Montreal and every Canadian's fan and every member of the media right there has an opinion on Slavkowski. Earlier today, Maxim LaPierre, who's a former Montreal Canadian, said, folks, like, you know, everyone's all over this kid. I mean, patience. He's 19 years old. He's in his second season, pardon me, in the National Hockey League. You know, he's being coached by a Hall of Famer. Uh, his general manager is was one of the most respected agents in the game. There's highly qualified people around him. There's a development team who probably know more than us. Now, that doesn't mean that they're not going to be wrong, right? I mean, that's the well, whole caveat. Yeah. And all, but he was saying, let's have confidence in them. It's just that. With every game that he's not producing, the fans are looking at him and they're saying, he looks a little bit faster, but I don't, you know, I don't see him improving in other areas. And now add to that, with every time we see Cooley and Cooley's making a difference, now we start talking about that. And it just seems like to add up, right? Yeah, and I think every player's trajectory is different. I mean, I think some guys take a little bit longer to develop. I think some guys, you know, benefit from just stepping in and, and maybe they have a different mindset. There's a whole, you know, there's a whole mental side of the game. There's a whole, you know, even situation, right? Cooley steps into a market like Arizona, which is a lot smaller and a lot less pressure than a place like Montreal. Cooley also played last year in college when was able to gain a lot of confidence from that, putting up about 60 points. And, you know, Slavkowski goes right into a, organization that's trying to rebuild and they're a struggling young team so there's just so much that goes into it and I think you can't get lost in the fact that he is still so young there's you know a long runway for him to kind of get going and make his own mark I just think right now when I watched that game last night and that's all I can really speak on because I watched him live 
And I just think last night in terms, if you're going off of that, and I don't know what he did, you know, in the previous seven or eight games, but from what I read, you know, he's been struggling a little bit. It just seems that he's a little bit lost out there. And then you start playing power play and you got, you know, all these different responsibilities. I think it can kind of just add up and weigh on a kid. And then you have overwhelming, overwhelming. And you have the media pressure. And I just think, you start to lose that confidence. And that's what the biggest thing is. You don't want to lose your confidence. And as a young player, especially, I think just slowing it down, getting out of the spotlight for a little bit, going to Laval, maybe it's only just, you know, a weekend, maybe he goes down for three games and he puts up seven or eight points and all of a sudden he's back up and he, he feels good about himself again, you know? So I just think there's a lot of things that go into it and it's hard to say what the, the right way is to do it. Cause again, you have a guy like Martin St. Louis and all these, you know, I mean, hockey hall of famers surrounded by him, it, you know, what's really the the correct answer. It's hard. And um, so I'm just, I'm rooting for the kid. I, I think he can be a, a good player. I think, um, you know, what his ceiling is. I, I don't know if it's like a, a perennial number one overall pick, but you know, we'll see. And I, I really hope he can kind of find his game and um, you know, kind of develop into a, a power forward. What if the American hockey league team is struggling? Will, would that at all weigh in, way into this whole equation here of whether or not you send them down or not. I, I, again, I think that's up to, you know, management, but I, I think in terms of just, you know, if there's a couple forwards down there, he could play with and get in for a weekend, get in for, you know, a, a three and four. Leah Sanderson and Joshua Roy first line in Laval. That would be good. There you go. So you go play down there, feel the puck on the power play, play all situations, slow it down a little bit, just get back to the basics, you know, get back to your foundation as a player, maybe even, you know, watch a little bit more video, practice a little more. The American Hockey League, at least in my experiences, was more of a weekend league. You're not playing every other day. So you can kind of slow things down. You can get more video work, maybe get, you know, some more reps in with the development team and, and really just, you know, build this kid back up. Cause I think right now, like I said, last night, I'm only going off of last night. He just looked a little bit lost. And I think, you know, for a player that they have really high hopes for, um, you know, you got to be careful with that. I want your brother on the Montreal Canadiens to play right wing <laughs> with Cole Caulfield and Nick Suzuki. Oh, he can dish the pill, man. He's a great player. Oh, crispy. He's a, he's a very good player. He's a very good player. You're right him, about and, him and him and Clayton Keller have really good chemistry. And I think they do. Uh, this Logan Cooley, you know, once he starts getting about halfway through the season here and really making his uh, mark in the league and kind of getting used to the pace of play and playing every other night, um, that's going to be a force of a line, man. I think that could be a really good line for for years to come if they can all stay healthy. When you said you saw Slavkowski six or seven times during the season in Finland and then you saw him in the playoffs, yep. and you thought that every time you saw him, he was getting better, but he was raw. Very raw, yep. What did you think – was the most raw part of his game? If I'm being honest, I think just the, his computer, like my, going back to my tweet, just in terms of his brain was, uh, I thought it was, you know, because, you know, you're a young kid, so it's hard to, you know, really evaluate a player when they're playing in a professional hockey league, such as Finland, which is a good respected league. Um, he did seem to get a little better every time we played against him. And I think that, you know, Olympic kind of outbreak really helped him um, in yeah. terms of leading his team to a bronze medal with Slovakia. But in saying that, I just thought normally when a when a pick is as a one overall pick, at least in my experience, is my eye, and I'm not saying I'm Scotty Bowman over here, but yeah, just, neither am I. I'm just saying that normally something would wow you, right? As a as a number one overall pick. And I just and maybe it was a down year for the draft. I just didn't really see a whole lot of that um in terms of his brain. His body was it was crazy. It was wow. His body was wow. His body was wow. I was like, oh my God, this yeah. guy's a 
he's a freight train. And when he gets downhill and he can skate, he's pretty good down the wall. Now, can he make a whole lot of plays? I didn't really see that. And I'm still kind of seeing that. And that's why when I fired out that tweet, which was kind of just being harmless, I just, his development just seems like it's kind of at a standstill. And the National yeah. Hockey League is a hard league. I mean, it's the best yeah. league in the world. So, you know, it's it's just tough. And 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 you know, on the contrary, and it's not to make Slavkovsky look bad because once again, at 19 years old, he can go on to have a great career. And who's to say who's going to end up being better? I yeah. have my opinion. You have your opinion, and we'll end up seeing it about 15 years from now. But Logan Cooley has some wow factors. Eh, he's got wow speed. Yep. He's got some wow passing ability. He's a wow playmaker. Yep. Andre Turin, you just came on and talked to us about his wild grit that this kid is. He's a gamer. He wants it. He's He's got a lot of wow to him. Yeah, I mean, I, I just think I go back to that play last night when uh, Nick Schmaltz, my brother, passed it over Clayton Keller on the power play. They, you know, they run that drop breakout. They're coming through the dot lanes and Keller fired it out to Cooley. And it was a saucer pass that was about three feet out of the air. And Cooley knocks it down mid-stride, doesn't even phase him, continues to skate, gets his head up, takes a look to the middle and sees number eight streaking down to the far post. I'm like, that's National League, brother, because that was a sick play. That is a high-end skill set. And for me... High-hand coordination, and you just said it. Head up. Head up. And if his head's up, he's not seeing. And he didn't break stride. That's the crazy thing. He had a defender on him. He was able to bat that out of the air, catch it, get his head up, beat the defender with a step, and then find my brother on the back door. I mean, I'm thinking in the stands, I'm like, holy fuck, this guy, I mean, he's the real deal. (laughs) That's a National League play right there because you don't see that type of play on a kid that's played nine or ten games, let alone most players in the league. I'm thinking, holy shit. Your fella, you're really comfortable with this. Are you podcasting right now? I am, yeah, yeah. yeah I give a it a shadow, yeah. What, yeah I got a podcast, uh, it's called Live in Five. I run it with my buddy I played at North Dakota with. Um, so check us out there. And then we're also, I'm also what doing do you, what do you guys, what do you guys talk about? Yeah, it's like a lifestyle podcast, it's hockey based, all sports. We've had golfers on, PGA guys, we've had you know, my buddy like Jordan Bennington on, we've had yeah. um, you know, hockey players, golfers, just kind of, kind of everything. And then I, I do a uh, I do an uh-huh. Arizona Coyotes podcast. If I was you, I mean, you got some pretty good inside there. Yeah, I actually do a I do a hockey night in Scottsdale with my buddy, the Heat Daddy, on Twitter. So he's a personality. If you've seen him, yeah, yeah. Uh, so we do a we do a show once a week where we watch a game, we stream it, and then we're going to be touring uh, a couple cities here coming up uh, in Canada, maybe Buffalo, different things like that. So we're getting out there. We're getting boots on the ground, brother. And uh, yeah. yeah. Trying to spread the love of the game because I I love the game I love skilled players and ultimately I uh, kind of want to stay in it uh, yeah. on this side of the pond so that's uh, you. my next mission. All the best to you. And ending, how much hate did you get from Montreal Canadiens fans today? Because I yeah, it was crazy. I forgot about Canadian media, man, and and just people on, on Twitter. I'm like thinking like I didn't. I'm not trying to bury this kid. Like I, I want to make it clear. Like I want this guy to succeed. I'm just saying right now for where he is. And where he was two years ago, there's not much different. And I think the best thing for this kid, as I call it, get down to the jungle, you know, get your feet wet and get back to basics of where your game's at and and build it back up. Because it's not like this this is an end-all, be-all. I mean, you can fix a player. You really can. You just need to work with them, and they need the right words coming into their their brain and and build them up again. So I I wish the best for them. Do you get uh, the feeling, and I I think I told you the last question, but but do you get the feeling – that the Canadians drafted a guy who was hot for five months. 
but wasn't he the consensus number one overall pick when Shane Wright slipped? You know, was I, I think everyone after that Olympics got so I mean, can I say this on the show? I think he got everyone got so horny. They're like, you know, that we just need this guy. We need this guy. And then Shane Wright kind of fell. And then Cooley was just kind of on the back burner chilling. And was there really a, a first overall pick that year? I mean, we'll see like if Cooley, you know, really blossoms into what people think he is or if Slavkowski can get back on track or if Shane Wright can figure it out. I mean, he's another kid that's playing in the AHL now, too. So it's like. I don't know. It, it's hard to say. Like, again, hindsight's always twenty twenty. It's easy to look back. And I think right now you just got to be delicate with it because, again, they're only two years into this thing and we'll see how it goes. But again, I just wish the best for that kid. Jordan Schmaltz, the first time ever on the sick podcast with me, Tony Marinaro. I hope it's not the last. Are you at your brother's house right now? I am. We just had we had a nice little meal here. He's got okay. a mat. He's got a matinee tomorrow against yeah. the Winnipeg Jets. So okay. So uh, when you get when you get off, tell him that I want him on the podcast between now and the end of the season. He can pick whenever time he wants. At one point, I will, brother. I will. All right. Thank you, all man, right. for doing yeah. this. I appreciate it. All right. Worry, there yeah. you have it, Jordan Schmaltz. All right. Uh, I saw his tweet earlier today, and I'm like, wow, I got to get this guy on. Uh, he was definitely worth it. Have a good night. Appreciate it. Uh, okay. Uh, once again, uh, Marinaro. Uh, you know, folks, I um, Monday we were off because the Canadians played a 10 o'clock game in Vegas. And, uh, of course, last night, Thursday, we were off because the Montreal Canadians played a 10 o'clock game in Arizona. And, um, you know, I thought if I was going to go on, I was going to go on at 1 o'clock in the morning. And I didn't think there was going to be too many people on at 1 o'clock in the morning. And so I I, I promised that I was going to make it up to you. So, um I called in yellow yesterday and I said in yellow, I was off on Monday. I was off on Thursday. I'm working Friday. And so I decided to work it. And then once again, I contacted Andre Tourigny and then I contacted Jordan Schmaltz. And uh, I think it was a pretty awesome show. I hope you agree. If so, like it, share it with your friends. Comment sick, S-I-C-K, S-I-C-K, S-I-C-K. Proud partners of the SICK Podcast, our energy transportation group, a leading full-service logistics provider serving all of North America, driven to be different. Also brought to you in part by La Bitta TB, brewed in Quebec, a winner of a dozen international awards. La Bitta TB offers quality microbrewery beers made with premium ingredients for everyone's taste. La Bitta TB, embrace your true nature. And brought to you in part by Playground. Over 600 machines, poker tournaments, and Playground casino games, daily promotions, and unmatched customer service. Why go anywhere else? Located just over the Mercier Bridge, only minutes from downtown Montreal. Speaking of La Bitta TB, Speaking of, tomorrow at the IGA Extra in St. Eustache at 379 Boulevard, Arthur Sauvé, starting at 2 p.m., I will be there. Agnello and Sammy Cavallaro will be there. We're celebrating hockey with you. La Bitta TV, the Sick Podcast, and IG Extra. They're, Brad, uh, they're very proud to bring you the chance to meet me. I'm very proud to have the chance to meet you, and I look forward to talking to you talking hockey with you uh there's going to be some beer sampling we're going to give out some t-shirts we're going to give out some uh, some caps i look i want to see you all there tomorrow if you're in the area because as much as i can feel you when you watch me and on the podcast and the sick podcast and you listen to me in the sick podcast on all the social media apps as much as i can feel it you feel your presence uh for me meeting all of you it's very important to me and it's very special to me and, and I love meeting all of you and talking hockey with you and talking Montreal Canadians with you. I really love it. So if you're in the area, drop by. If you're not in the area, drop by. All right. If you're in the United States, come down to Montreal tomorrow. Go to Sanders Stash. 
and drop by. Okay, maybe not from the States. I'm kidding a little bit. Ferdinello, Sammy, and Juliana at Master Control. They're Cavallaro, and it's Friday night. But tonight, I was working it. I'm Marinaro. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the Sick Podcast with Tony Marinaro on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. The Sick Podcast is brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Driven to be different. La Vida TV. Embrace your true nature. And Playground, your premier gaming destination.